We met first a number of years ago in Beirut, shortly after the tech hub had been set up there, which marked the beginning, I think, for you of a sort of working quite closely with with the Brits. Just explain what the thinking bit behind that was and what it actually was that you were setting up. So the the UK Lebanon Tech Hub um, was uh, initiated in 2015, and uh, it was the the start of the growth of the knowledge economy in Lebanon. And this uh, initiative, the UK Lebanon Tech Hub, was an initiative between the Central Bank of Lebanon and the British government. And the thinking behind it was we needed to create a kind of a new sector uh, to create new job opportunities in Lebanon. And the knowledge economy was one that we, uh, that the, the, the government of Lebanon and the government of the UK felt uh, as uh, felt that would be a sector that uh, Lebanon can excel in. They, they partnered together and created the first technology hub in Lebanon that was aimed at supporting small companies and startups in, in the tech sector specifically to grow their businesses between Lebanon and the UK by the Central Bank of Lebanon providing the funds and the UK government providing the expertise. Uh, five years on, uh, the UK Lebanon has achieved so many, so many uh, amazing things. They've supported over 100 startups. They've created over 6,000 jobs uh, in Lebanon, and they've increased uh, the pipeline of uh, startups and uh, their investment portfolio to over uh, $60 million. So I think it would be an example of what one could describe as soft power and influence, you know, that the UK brought to bear there. And obviously, you've had quite a tumultuous year. And in a smaller way, we, we've had the same here. You know, that Brexit has happened. And now we're out of the EU and on our own. Just give us a sort of idea about what that move looks like to someone like you, Lama, in, in Beirut. Because, you know, you're clearly an observer of our country here. You've been over here. What do you think the sort of the, the theory behind it was, the strategy as far as those who were in favour of it? The decision of uh, the UK government through its voters, obviously, to leave uh, the EU is perceived as the UK having uh, a more inward looking agenda, focusing on its, on its own interests. So preserving and protecting its resources uh, for inter- internal economic and social development. And I say that because in regions such as Lebanon, where the UK has been very active, and I know this firsthand because I used to run these programs, in driving the development agenda, uh, there is a kind of a perceived disengagement and potential lack of interest in the global, like the, the fear of disengagement and uh, lack of interest in the global development agenda from the UK side, because there is this perception of today the UK wants to focus on its own interests. So the first question that comes to our mind, people who have been engaged with the UK, however, does not live in the UK, is how much will the UK keep on contributing to uh, supporting underdeveloped and developing countries in strengthening their institutions, uh, supporting them in fighting corruption, promoting transparent democratic processes, driving economic development, uh, and, and of course, access to uh, basic services, which are still in uh, underdeveloped and developing countries such as Lebanon. 
key components of uh, and needs for uh, citizens in such countries. What feeling do you do you get that the kind of average Brit who was in favour of it, and we know it was a very close vote, 52-48, what do you think they were trying to achieve? Because one of the criticisms has been that it was a sort of an ideologically motivated thing, and it sort of lacked a realistic and pragmatic economic base underlying it. And now it's been achieved. It's only now that the the government is actually thinking about what it wants to do in a sort of a positive sense. So in a kind of more emotional way, if if you like, what did it kind of look like to you from the outside that they were up to? So I can think of uh, two things. One is so from because I'm outside, so I'm not I'm not a UK citizen. What I feel the UK citizen wanted is is to is a feeling of I want to uh, to I want my government to provide me with better opportunities and maybe the resources and the funds that are going internationally to to support uh, other other governments and other countries should be I should be benefiting from that. Uh, however, I feel also that there was a lot of misinformation going around before the vote. Like this is from my perception. Did the voters who went and voted to leave the EU, did they have the right information, the right plans and, and agendas of what's going to really happen in the UK after it leaves the EU. And this is something that we discuss outside of the UK when we discuss Brexit is, you know, all of that potential misinformation, the, the, the non-plan that led uh, to voters go, going and saying, yes, I want, we want to leave the EU. Did they vote uh, with all the right information that they needed to have, and it it it, it questions some of like today with the, with the UK government, they do a lot of work, for example, in countries such as Lebanon to support uh, our our democratic process, and it, it raises questions for us, like the best practices that you give to us, we we you have a reputation of us trusting you to to die to to to, to allowing us. Uh, and, and giving us the tools and resources to have uh, uh, a transparent democratic process. So what happened uh, when you went through your own democratic process to vote yes or no? Mm. I mean, I think if you look at, if you step back and look at it from a sort of historical perspective, then probably beginning around 100 years ago, we, we started to decline as that great imperial power that we were. We were the imperial you know, power in large chunks of the Middle East. And there's a sort of narrative of what one might describe as declinism since the sort of First World War that, you know, quite quite rightly, we withdrew from that. And the companies within the empire were given their independence. So I suppose it kind of divides now between people who, who view something like Brexit as a progression of that declinism and those who think it's a sort of a positive thing and that we can re- reverse that in a way. Do you think it can continue to sort of, as you know, to use that favourite phrase of ours, to punch above our weight? I'm, I'm going to talk from the perception of me uh, in Lebanon uh, as someone who has perceived firsthand the support that the UK government has, has given us and the perception of the UK in, in Lebanon, maybe the MENA region in, in general. As you say, there there has been this uh, this concept of like 
progression of uh, of the UK, uh, not reputation, maybe influence with Brexit. And as we as we talked about the perception of how people outside of the UK perceive the, the, the UK leaving the EU and its engagement with the global development agenda, if we link it to that, we feel that the UK has to put a lot of effort and, and, and when I say effort, financial and communication uh, to preserve its reputation as a key actor in the in, in, in these countries. Because the influence and the leverage they had as part of the EU will definitely be weakened now that they sit on the table on their own without the EU. So there's a lot of work on the on the like the the soft diplomacy side that needs to be done by the UK in such countries to kind of take back that leverage and and that reputation of being a key actor in you know driving growth and stability in in countries such as ours. I mean, I think there's also an issue, isn't there, of of competence as well. I mean, I think for all our sort of disadvantages reputationally we were perceived as being a country where we could sort of get things done, that government had a kind of degree of competence, which, you know, you obviously feel is is lacking over in in Lebanon, particularly after the explosion and the inability of the, of the government there to do much. But I think if we can move on to the subject of COVID, there's now a kind of a question whether we have, along with the United States, really made a mess of, of, of dealing with, with the pandemic. What does that side of Brit life over the last year look like to you? So I think, uh, I think it's, a, it's a worldwide uh, problem. I wouldn't, I know like the COVID has been so, like there's so uncertainty around it. We don't know what it is. We don't know, we still don't know the effects of it how, and, and the causes of it. So I wouldn't really go so hard on, in, in full honesty, on the UK or even on, on the US. More, more efforts could have been done, more precautions could have been taken early on. However, uh, it's, it was so uncertain and it was so vague and it still is that we don't know how to, how to deal with it. I remember thinking it was fascinating when I was with you guys over in, in Beirut five years ago, looking at the the role that Beirut has within the Middle East. I can remember you taking me to see a startup that was looking at a dating app um, that was going to work, you know, right across the Middle East and particularly in in, in the UAE as well. Um, one has to try and remain optimistic. I mean, Beirut has always had that sense, hasn't it, of being somewhere where stuff gets done, people find a way of getting round things, the Lebanese diaspora throughout the world is extraordinary. You know, you go to countries in Africa and South America and you'll always meet a Lebanese there running a business. Do you feel kind of optimistic about Lebanon's ability to sort of bounce back from the setbacks of the last year? It's a, it's a double-edged sword. Uh, we're, we're known to adapt and be resilient and, and just tackle things and move on. And this is this is always positive because it keeps on getting us out of the ashes and, and we restart and, and do things differently. We innovate and, and, and we just adapt and move forward. And this will happen. However, the rhetoric here is we are, and you hear every, 
a lot of people saying this, it is not okay anymore. We do not want to be resilient. We do not want to adapt anymore. This rhetoric of the Lebanese people can rise from the ashes like the phoenix <laughs> is, is a rhetoric that is really not favored anymore because there's this sense of we need to hold people accountable. And every time things happen to Lebanon and to Beirut and we say, yes, we're strong as citizens and uh, uh, as a population. So we're going to, you know, rebuild uh, our city and rebuild our economy. We will definitely do that because we have to live in this country. However, we do not want to do it without holding people accountable and saying that, you know, it is okay. It is not okay. That's the rhetoric. So many young people do do leave, don't they? And that's one of the great sadnesses of it as a country that certainly, you know, you have huge, within Europe, huge numbers of Lebanese people here in London, in Paris as well, young people going away to go to university and, and then not coming back again. I mean, that's what you've got to do, isn't it? You've got to, you've got to hold on to your, your, your talent and try and reform things from within. Yes, and that, that was exactly what the what the tech hub, so going back to that, what the tech hub was trying to, to achieve. It was trying to stop that brain drain that uh, that is, is, is known of Lebanon. We need to keep our talents in Lebanon so we can grow this country economically and socially. In, in around the world, there are around 12 million Lebanese spread all across the world, and we have 4 million Lebanese in Lebanon. The, the government and our politicians need to be held accountable. And until that is done, uh, we will keep on seeing people leaving Lebanon and not investing their knowledge and their, and their, uh, their talents in the country. They will invest these in other countries and grow other countries as the UAE, for example. I mean, I think that's a potential warning for our country as well, that if things don't go well for us over the next few years, then not only will we lose all that talent that we've we we've attracted from you know other countries in Europe, but if inward migration is going to become an awkward thing, then you could have that weird effect where things decline. Then younger Brits will leave as well. So I suppose we we both have to face these things together, don't we? Yes, I I, tot I totally agree, and especially that you know as Lebanon is known for its talents and the people, like you you find Lebanese um, in 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 all big corporations and companies. There's the same reputation of UK uh, uh, the UK talents as well. Like uh, we uh, when when wherever I go and work, uh, UK expertise in specifically in the innovation technology sector are the expertise to go and search for. So with those talents, people. People will, like other countries, will want to grab these talents and take them to develop their own countries. So definitely you should uh, put that as, as an indicator to look at uh, as, you know, uh, the new era for the UK uh, starts.